This week's Winefellers is brought to you by the National Alliance of Wine Growers and Distributors. Have you had your two glasses of wine today? The Stool Stool, improving your bathroom posture since 2015. The Stool Stool, we're number two. And River of Life Lutheran Church. Sunday services come once a week. How often do you? Welcome to this week's episode of The Winefellers, right here on WHUPLP, Hillsboro, North Carolina. I'm Joe, co-founder of TrueBottle.com, your professional source for wine auction prices, and my good feller Mark here, fine wine auction director with Leland Little Auctions. And together, we are the episode of the wine fellers yet we will host our most exciting wine event ever with absinthe our good friend s paul will teach us all you need to know about this evil wormwood spirit that might make us go insane by the end of the show and he will also perform the perfect absinthe pairing that and we will listen to i'm proud to say some more great music from the wine fellers personal archives all on this week's episode of The Winefellers. But first, the news. Welcome to North Carolina's only fine wine newscast, where your good winefellers, Mark and Joe, discuss real wine stories from this week's news, offering you an insider's view into the fascinating and often hilarious world of fine wine, right here on WA. This week on the Winefellers News. Are you tired of your dinner party? Drinking all of your wine? Well, try serving your wine in smaller glasses. Where on earth do people drink the most wine per capita? Well, you can bet it's not the Vatican. <laughs> oh, wait, it is the Vatican. Want to organize the world's best bachelor party? Wanna book a macrame class? This week on the Wine Fellows News. Hey, Joe. Hey. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Mark. I am so <laughs> excited. Oh my gosh, I I almost messed that up. Well, what? I, I don't I don't I don't blame you because it is you can 
cut the excitement through a knife today. Exactly. Because this will be our best show ever. I believe we, that. Later in this show, we will have our good buddy, S. Paul, coming back. <laughs> and you thought the last pairing that he did with the whiskey and the meats. Beef and bourbon. Yes, yeah, that, was good, right? yes that was good. <laughs> but this week, we're going to learn about absinthe. So put your thinking cap on, but then taking, but then take your thinking cap off because we're going to be drinking absinthe, <laughs> and he'll be pairing it. He'll have some nice pairings too. So. Oh my gosh, I can't wait! Uh, you know, as always, uh, we many times we start the show off with the news. Yes, and I never know what you have in store for me. That's right. We're trying to keep that blind. But this week, you you did you gave a little bit away. I did. You said there are no stories related to the benefits of drinking red wine. That's right. So <laughs> usually there is something. So well, <laughs> and that tells me that you have some pretty good news. I to have go some over. pretty good news stories. So here's our first story. What you got? So when you go out to a restaurant, your behavior is constantly being manipulated. For example, psychological studies have shown that you are less <laughs> likely to order healthy food if you eat in a dimly lit restaurant. Is that true? I think so. So if oh, because like maybe you can't be judged as easily? Uh, yes, maybe people Like the reason I eat my candy bars in the closet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you have a ginormous plate of pork rinds, no one seems to really care cuz they can't see it. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. What they need to do is as the perfect restaurant is a dimly lit restaurant playing like music at 180 beats per minute. That's right. And there's like one candle. <laughs> no windows. Well, I feel a little offended here. Is this for my own benefit? I'm being manipulated oh, every time I go out. No, it's for their benefit. Oh, boy. So in a new research conducted by BMC Public Health. Of course. So this is yeah. a research study. So every two weeks for four months, bartenders at a certain bar would switch the wine glasses they served patrons, rotating between a typical 300 milliliter glasses to 250 milliliter glasses to 370 milliliter glasses. So the same pour were served in three different size glasses. They would change out the glasses every few weeks. I get it. That's the one variable here. That's right. So the researchers found something interesting. On the nights the bartenders used the big wine glasses, they sold more glasses of wine, 10% more to be uh, actual. Interesting. In fact, the researchers concluded that pores look smaller when the glass is larger, which leads people to feel totally justified in ordering more. <laughs> it's the same it's different sized glasses That's with right. the same amount the of wine same in each amount one. of wine in each one the only variable is the size of the glass and uh you know, that's really interesting. You think like, well, I, I guess you serve wine in a, in a glass, a big glass. You're like, I'm not getting that much wine. Maybe I should order another glass because it was so little. And that's brilliant. Well, up to a point, right? I mean, when they when they bring out your, you know, fifty gallon fish tank, <laughs> yeah, here's with a with a little puddle of wine <laughs> at the bottom of it, you're not thinking like, wow. Right, I'm going to order another one. Yeah. Well, I, that's, that's, that's pretty good because I was actually thinking about the other way. I was thinking when I have it, <laughs> when I was thinking uh, my next dinner party, I was going to serve wine in uh, Dixie Cups. 
<laughs> and that way not only is it smaller but it's it's a totally different vibe man well it's a different vibe but people like they'll drink out of the dixie cup like wow i had a full dixie cup i don't think i'm gonna have any more I, I like that i like that idea because especially if you're in a restaurant okay uh-huh. and you are here's what you need to do you need to serve them large dixie cups with wine so they think that you know they they need to buy more mm-hmm. and the fact that it's in a dixie cup makes them psychologically psychologically think that it can't cost a lot that yes right right yeah, yeah, yeah. if it's in a dixie cup sure this I, can't this is a deal well i i think it's great and so and, and these guys did another wine study where uh, the people uh, so they served more wine to people and the only variable that changed here is that whether they served white or red wine that was the variable that changed the glass was the same size okay. So people who uh, purchased white wine uh, tend to uh, buy 9% more wine than they did if they uh, purchased red wine. And, they, and the conclusion was is that it's hard to see the white wine in the glass, and you don't think that you're getting that much, so you order more. An optical illusion, and again. A wine illusion. Hey, is this the same with, with other things like the food you order at a restaurant? Mm-hmm. Like... Yeah, the giant plate comes out. Right, exactly. And you have a hard time determining how much food is actually on the plate. It's like when Pee Wee Herman sits in his, his chair. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Whenever you're in a restaurant, you get giant plates, a little bit of food on there. Like, well, yeah, I but you have no, but you have no idea how much food is on there. You've lost all scale of lost. perspective. That's right. I Imagine think if they, that's if why you, they do that. They, what if the chairs were double the life-size chairs? Well. And you just felt like a kid. In I a, know. What, what if they got giants to, to wait on you? ordering people. Because, yeah, I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you could get really confused in a restaurant like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, you know, all, you have to understand every time, you know, good restaurants, when you go in there, they're they're designed to charge you more and that's just kind of what happens and so they want charge to you more sell you more sell you more right and so they're trying to angle you know i mean it's just how it is that's the world you just have to be uh, aware of that i'm that's so all. frightened now man of going and buying anything i know you should just stay home and eat cheetos <laughs> well how does how does it work when you order something on amazon then do they like how do they make their products appear like you're getting more or less for your money I don't know. Maybe they use those magnifying things on the pictures, but uh, I think you know sometimes next to the products on Amazon, yeah, you'll have a little ruler or like a little thing like a banana, yeah, a, like a silhouette of a banana, right? And everyone knows how big a banana is, right? So you know how big the product is now. Why would you use a banana instead of a ruler? Well, I think you've got metric versus um, uh, the U.S. measuring system. Like centimeters? <coughs> centimeters versus in inches. inches. Yeah. So if you see a ruler, you don't right, know right. in which system of measurement this is. A banana, it's universal. Sure, you couldn't possibly label the ruler on the computer. It's too much. That, <laughs> thing, that requires okay. reading. So I bet I bet those bananas yeah. are a little smaller or larger right. than they need to be yeah. based on what they how they want you to feel about this product. Yes, yeah. And they'll say, oh, really, that was a plantain. I mean, now, Mark, okay. one more thing. Yes. Like, I'm a small guy, okay? Yeah, okay. But in order to feel like I'm bigger, uh-huh. that's why I order all of my clothes just a little too small. Good for you. Yeah. So so I, I get why, they, why they're doing it, because yeah. it works. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, this is why you need to bring, you, you said this to our listeners. What? Bring your own glass every time you go to a restaurant. Well, a measuring cup. And bring a measuring cup. Bring a measuring cup. Right. So then you know it's you certain. You know exactly you're what. You're bringing your banana. Yeah, you're bringing your measuring cup. And so 
Yes. You may look a little odd when you pull out your measuring cup, you're measuring your wine, but listen. <laughs> In my clothes that are three sizes too small. <laughs> and your ruler and your banana, but you'll, mm. you'll reap the rewards. All right, what's next? Okay, so according to a Religion News Service. Okay, I didn't know that was a thing. The Straight from, oh, I'm, I remember the intro for this one. The Pope is not Baptist. So, Let's just let that sink in for a minute. Let it sink in. All right. For, so, I mean, I know a lot of people are coming to terms with a new reality just before Just hear them me now. out. Addressing pilgrims at his weekly public audience in St. Peter's Square on June 8th, Pope Francis reflected on the wedding feast of Cana during which Jesus turned water into wine. His first miracle in the published works. <laughs> You're right. Well, we've had a segment on this, Mark. That's true. That was a crucial symbolic action to demonstrate he was the husband of the people of God. Anyways, Francis said, an episode that reflects of God's love and also shows how wine is central to marking the joy of a new marriage. Mm. The Pope asked, how is it possible to celebrate (laughs) a wedding and have a party if you lack what the prophets indicated is a typical element of the messianic banquet? Wine. Water is necessary to live, but wine expresses the abundance of the feast and the joy of the celebration and a wedding party which lacks wine the newlyweds feel ashamed of this and this is what the pope said so this is the new the new guy he's been in there for a little while now he says basically if you don't drink wine during your wedding you are doing somebody a disservice well yourself and maybe god for that matter. well that's what i'm thinking he was saying well, you know, uh, here's here's my question, and we've gone over this before. You're just going to drag me right through this discussion again, aren't you? No, I mean this is well. I mean, the Pope is this is a, a major decree. This is a huge decree. Now, um, he probably owns a lot of stock in multiple vineyards around the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Boy, that well, that that would well, be the cynical yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> you got to drink uh, the 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 drink of of Jesus, and that's wine. Yeah, and also buy. The new Twinkies <laughs> that <laughs> right. I also make. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what's it. Well, what's in it for him, Mark? Okay. Here, here it is. Maybe because you know I was talking about uh, uh, being a Baptist, and and I think uh, the issue with baptism, and maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong, is that Baptists aren't big wine drinkers. Well, a lot of the Baptists I know drink plenty of wine. Well, I'm saying if that this is in Orange County, though. Suppose it. I mean, right. you know, like on average, I don't think you're. Supposed to? Yeah, Maybe I, I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, I think, look, there, you know, we're in the Bible Belt here, man. Okay, all I'm saying is, look, you're deciding between, you know, what religion you want to follow. Ah. And you got one guy saying, yeah, we're really not supposed to drink wine. And another guy saying, if you don't drink wine, that's a problem. I see. Where well, this going? is great because now, well, look, you know, you he knows the business. You want to get more members, right? If anyone has a Twitter account, an Instagram account, you want more likes. Right. It's okay. about it's about it's about and, likes. And every time someone joins mm-hmm. the the Catholic faith, I'm with you. The Pope gets another like. You're right. Like up in heaven. Mm-hmm. And so God is like, yeah, that's pretty good, man. That's and I bet when he announced this new, you got to drink wine. His mm-hmm. likes went insane. His likes went through the roof. They went through the roof. Yes. Because so, people are like, this guy's all right. 
Yeah. Well, everyone's already drinking anyway. That's the thing. Yeah, the, and now he's giving them a reason to feel good about it. Yeah. So if, and the moral story, if you want to be a religious leader, you basically tell people what they already are doing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's how you. Right. And you say, look, in my religion, you eat dessert first. Then you eat the meal because that celebrates the world's happiness and then people say oh i like that that makes sense this i could get behind this religion here right <laughs> and they like it yeah and they join it right and there they go now you mentioned jesus's first miracle recorded work right well, you know? and i didn't mention that you did you I, said, yeah right, yeah. right. Well, that's what we're talking about right here. right and um you know i think it's interesting that even though they they have uh earlier works on paper that haven't been included in the canonical works or whatever you want to call it this is true uh of for example you know he, he clapped his hands when he was a kid he turned a bunch of clay pigeon pigeons into flying birds right you know that's like one of the earliest accounts wow and i think he also made uh, a bully uh die or something like oh he tripped and broke his leg or something like this really yeah absolutely man okay and so <clears throat> when we're talking about you know the uh, modern day society picking and choosing which miracles they want to pay attention to yes i can see why the turning clay animals into live birds would definitely not make it but turning water into wine would oh into the final draft yeah saying. like i, I, said, I, I yeah, imagine yeah, I in you. some yeah, other yeah. you know maybe some other right. uh, back in the day when they were deciding well which miracles should we sure, adopt sure. i bet there were people back then didn't like to drink just like today yeah. they were really pulling for the clay pigeon story yeah that's right like, <laughs> yeah and then some other people's like clay pigeon i mean who cares <laughs> what are you gonna do the pigeon i like the pigeon party and the wine party <laughs> yeah and uh, they're just like and the wine party won right and i think it's a beautiful thing that was the first split in the church <laughs> And so, but, that does but it was interesting because so Catholic, so now nowadays, as you probably know, wine is essential to the mass, and yeah, it yeah. was oh, it's not wine, Mark. It's, I'm sorry, fl blood, and it, it now it's reflecting its use in the last because you know they drank it in the Last Supper, and uh, this is likely the reason that the Vatican has the world's highest per capita wine consumption according to 2014 research the amount of wine consumed in the vatican amounts to almost 20 gallons for each resident <laughs> annually they either love wine or have absolutely no clean drinking water <laughs> well, maybe so maybe so but maybe they have all this wine because they're constantly turning blood into it you think someone in there um, no, they're turning wine into blood. Oh, Mark. right. It's the other way. They need a they lot of wine. The wine <laughs> they're not drinking the... wine. Wait a minute. Wait. Which Do, way wait, are they wait, when, a, when, when, a, when a, a Catholic priest is sitting in the Vatican yeah. and he's drinking his, his glass of 82 Mouton, yes. and then he says, you know what? I'd like a little blood of Christ right now. Wait. They're trying... Can he just touch? Can he bless it, the wine right then and just now he's drinking blood? So they're turning wine into blood. Yeah, man, it's not the other way around. Well, that makes the most sense. If they could turn blood into wine, people would be lining up at the blood banks wanting to get drunk. Oh, you'd be selling leeches. Yeah, well, see, I, I always uh, thought that turning wine into, into blood, like they're doing, just would put the Red Cross out of business. Yeah, I mean, that, I, mean I think turning the other way is, would be the better Wait, no? I don't know. Well, you'd think, like, would you rather have this delicious fermented grape juice 
Or, or would you like some blood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got plenty of that. Thank you. Oh, man. Oh, my gosh, Mark. The phone is, is actually ringing off the hook right now. Did we say something wrong? I couldn't okay. imagine what that would be. Okay. Well, <laughs> we plead ignorance. So, uh, story three, as we must move on. <laughs> yeah, I need to ignore this, this phone <laughs> over here. Just ignore that. So, Joe, you might not know this, but millennials like wine mark every week we go over this and i get all upset and then i say things like the google and the facebook well, and we and we get emails and tweets coming in the world is changing joe and millennials oh, do are I know. changing the face of how the world drinks wine for instance <laughs> tell me <laughs> bachelor parties are changing from when we had bachelor oh, parties. Oh, boy. I bet they all sit around and play Super Mario Brothers and drink wine. <laughs> Close. <laughs> oh, boy. So out, they no longer, millennials do not like to do, as a group, we don't like to stereotype millennials. But as of course a, not. But as, as a group. As a group. <laughs> they uh, don't like to do uh, they. They. Yes. <laughs> as a group. This one group. <laughs> this one group that I'm not stereotyping, <laughs> millennials. <laughs> you make fun, but next week. Yes. We're having an entire panel, of millennials, a panel of millennials on the show. So we're, we're allowed to do this, right? Yes, now. yes, and uh, probably not. So out are boozy nights filled with strip clubs, grungy bars, and passing out in the middle of the street. No longer. That's out. Oh, jeez. In are activities such as life drawing wor- workshops, treasure hunts, no oh, mark, cooking classes, and historical city tours. These millennials don't deserve to drink wine. Be careful. <laughs> You know, because when you're trying to single out a group, <laughs> I mean, I'm glad they're not into good wines. We've gone over this before. Millennials <laughs> like like new wines that have you know nice web pages. That's right. And you know, eighty uh, Lafitte, Mouton, all these you know, all these other great winemakers are just so boring. So Paul Clifton, a young this is someone who was interviewed for this article, okay. a young groom to be at his own bachelor party said that uh, figure drawing is, quote, something of a new experience for me. I am genuinely not very good, but I'm trying my best. (laughs) So it seems that the most popular activities nowadays are wine tastings to celebrate the groom's last night of freedom. Uh, uh, So uh, a 35-year-old HVAC specialist named Sam Holies. This is not real news. This is, is a it? real news. Everything I tell you is real. Oh boy. Recently organized a wine tasting for his friend Chris through a wine company called 3050. After the wine tasting, the bachelor party attended an escape room. So, <laughs> so the bachelor. <laughs> an escape room? Yeah. So they. It's like a safe house? So they did a wine tasting event and then they went to an escape room. And you might have heard of these, but this is a game where participants have to solve puzzles in order to get out of a locked room no i have not heard of this yeah they they do this they lock themselves in a puzzle room yeah and and try to find their way out (laughs) right because they have to follow clues to figure out how to get out of the room this is this is i've heard of this they've had this on the bachelor so (laughs) then and you're an expert on that show i happen to be (laughs) so then those in the party went on a treasure hunt that was organized by the Stag Company. That's the name of the company. So this oh, geez, is Mark. this is the trend. Millennials, which is the generation coming up drinking wine, they're drinking wine differently, and they're not going crazy with the wine events at bachelor parties. They're having more sensible events where you learn things. <sighs> well, this is a very unfortunate thing to hear. <laughs> How so, Joe? I mean, Mark, 
here's what we're witnessing before our eyes. Hey, I'm trying to figure out because I feel like I don't recognize the world I live in some days. I just it's really hard for me to put my head around that. Look, man. So you you fill your time with activities and now you know, nowadays. Everyone why does. are they doing this? Oh, I'm getting there. Okay. And during your activities, you know, folks like you and me, we don't really take three pictures every minute of our lives and post them online. We don't. Millennials do. Why? Well, because it's part of the culture, Mark. And and that is affecting their actions. Where yeah. once we would just run through a, 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 a manual advance disposable camera. Yeah. At our bachelor's party, not thinking twice. Right. Snap off 24 or 36 if you bought the, the more uh, larger capacity. Yeah. Get them developed, and that's great. But what's happening is they're self-regulating their behavior. It's like, oh, look at Johnny. He had his bachelor's party, and he did puzzles all afternoon. So uh, what you're saying is, is, are you saying the millennials are doing activities that are better photo ops for selfies? Yes. And, oh. and secretly... Secretly, okay. Afterwards, yeah, the real party happens. Well, and, but they would, know, it's totally off the radar, Mark. Oh, they wouldn't take selfies of that too. That's right. They can't control it, can they? No. So there, there you have it. We've figured it out. So, so, uh, so it's, huh? I and, mean, that and, really, I think there's something to be said for I, it. I think so. And so, and so now, anything you do, you're doing in the context of. Uh, being aware of how others might view you doing it. I see. But is it is it possible that they just would rather go to a museum? Impossible. Okay. Impossible. <laughs> uh, Mark, um, coming up on the show here. <laughs> yeah. We've got some fun stuff coming up. Okay. Um, we've got S. Paul coming on. We do have S. Paul. We're going to be drinking absinthe. The nectar of insanity. <laughs> You're not the gods. But <laughs> <laughs> the nectar of the fallen gods. Yes. Something uh -huh. like this. Right. Uh, but before that, we did promise our listeners we've gotten some requests uh, over the past week. We've got this new, uh, I guess, segment, right, where we pull out the old uh, music. Old from our from our music from, from our, our massive from our first ten years yeah <laughs> on the show from our massive library yeah and we want to uh, uh, play a special one this week mm. because what week is it on WHUP Mark Joe I think it's Love Week it is Love Week here on WHUP you are listening to the Winefellers Mark and I knew this was going to be a very special week so uh, as musicians <clears throat> last week we um, we whipped out our instruments. Started fondling them and made us and made sweet, sweet love music that we are going to play for you right now. Eat your cake and toppings to the wine fellers love you. Oh, you know it's true. The wine fellers love you. The wine fellers love you. We love you. Joe, I love you more today than I did yesterday. Our love grows bigger every day. That's possible. We love you so much. Oh, you know it's Oh, we sure do. The wine fellas love you.
Grilling it up with Paul Beats everything you've ever saw So put his meatballs up in your jaws And scream He puts the sizzle on the grill All you gotta do is chill He won't stop until you feel It's Again, I just can't even look you in the face when we play that awful, Joe, awful I, song. I, I thought we talked about this, Joe. Yeah, we're gonna you we're mean, gonna change the song. You know, we're gonna change it. Yeah, geez, I just you know. I didn't think about it when we were. It sounded like it seemed like a better idea at the time. But so sure, hey Paul, you you uh, uh <laughs> of course Paul's like I'm not coming on until you get a new song. <laughs> hey, what? So we earlier you might uh, as as you heard here in the studio with us, we were talking about. Uh, plating sizes and glass sizes in the restaurant setting and, and how that affects uh, how people perceive how much they might be getting. Uh-huh. Do you have any thoughts on this as a former chef and uh, restaurant professional? Well, I mean, I remember uh, when I was in the industry, basically, you know, it was always a little bit of a smaller looking glass uh, so that you could fill it up a little bit more. So if you, you know, traditionally you're going to get about a four ounce pour right to a 12 ounce beer to yeah. a two ounce shot that's uh-huh. really about the same amount of alcohol so um yeah always a small a little bit smaller glass so that when you look at it it looks full yeah. i'm getting a good deal yeah. well yeah that's what everyone thinks and so you don't buy these i mean you can go to these really fancy places that have these enormous bulbous glasses and you only get like you know an inch and a half in the bottom but it's actually a four and a half four ounce pour well that's why your, your mcdonald's fries always look like they're overflowing out of the bag that's right that's right <laughs> their their scoops are bigger than their uh fry holders right right like oh i'm getting a great deal no you get the same amount of fries everybody else is getting right exactly <laughs> exactly uh paul last time you did beer and bourbon I did beef and bourbon. Beef and bourbon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. I wish it was Pretty beer sure. and bourbon. Yeah, and bourbon. Nice. Of course, of course. But this week, this is exciting. You've gone, you've gone with the three A's, and what are the three A's today? So today we're going to do absinthe, yes, ahi, mm. and anchovies. Wow. Yeah, a lot of fun ah. stuff is going to be happening. This is so. exciting. Yeah. So absinthe is is a drink that. Uh, not too many people know about it, and when they hear about it, they think, oh, yeah, isn't that, that drink you're not allowed to have or something? I mean, that's, sure. there's an interesting history behind that. There is. There is. I mean, it was banned in the United States and uh, a ton of other countries in Europe um, from about 1912 until about, the, at least for the U.S., 2007, when it was wow. um, repealed. So, so why why was it banned? Um it's funny because they, if you if you do any history like research on it, it talks about how there wasn't any real reason. They had no real true research, scientific research on why it was banned. Um, basically, uh, wormwood is something that people were mm-hmm. uh, concerned about. But uh, it was banned for every other reason. We banned things: fear, right, and misinformation. Right. It, it, it truly was misinformation, Joe, because wormwood is uh, is not toxic. It's it's not a hallucinogen. It uh, it doesn't make you go on some kind of you know <laughs> cool trip. But, but wormwood is in the absinthe making process. It is. It's one of it's one of the botanicals. There are three botanical main botanicals they put inside uh, absinthe. That's going to be um, your uh, grand uh, wormwood, uh, green anise, um, and uh, Florence fennel. 
Well, those are the flavor profiles that you're getting. Those are all the different flavors you're getting. Now, when you say you, they, they use wormwood in the process, like I know oak is ma- makes the barrels that wine can age in. Mm-hmm. What in which part of the absinthe making process is wormwood involved? Well, well, absinthe is a lot like gin. You know, gin is originates as vodka, so it's a spirit, and then they oh. and, and then they add botanicals flavoring you know, agents to, to then, you know, enhance the flavor in different ways. So you start out with a neutral grain um, or a grape, you know, uh, absinthe back in the late 1700s was made with grapes. Interesting. But now it's wow. made with grain and grapes. So, but they stopped that production uh, probably within, I think it was the early 19th, 1900s because there was a, a little mite that was attacking grapevines mm-hmm. in France. And so they couldn't use grapes anymore. So they switched then to using grain to make it and then wow. infusing the flavors uh, with those three main botanicals. Well, we're learning a lot uh, on the wine. <laughs> we really are. We're on the wine fellows today. And uh, we have S. Paul, if you're just joining us, and we're uh, he t- teaching us about absinthe. It's uh, a drink that was banned for a while, and now we can drink it again. And he is today, he's going to be pairing it with uh, anchovies and ahi tuna, which will be a little bit later on. So this is a really exciting show. Now, I, I can't obviously wait to get into it, but why, why absinthe, anchovies, and ahi? Great question, Joe. I think that, you know, um, it's hard to pair uh, like we did last segment, you know, last time I was on, beef and bourbon is kind of hard to pair. Absinthe is hard to pair with any yeah. food. Uh, when you said you were doing an absinthe segment, I yeah. was like, what will you do pair that with? Right. It's, 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 it's a strong. challenge. It's, <laughs> it's, and for those who, who have never tried absinthe, because I would imagine probably most people have never tried it because it's never been around in their childhood. Not that you would drink it in your childhood but uh but you know it hasn't been around and what does speak it, for yourself what, what, mark what only it, in france mark. What, what, what does it taste like i mean what is it when you're when you're drinking it well that that florence fennel um you know that uh the the green anise which is a different from a star anise is going to be very licorice yeah, heavy licorice-y. heavy licorice laden flavors and um very earthy tones and you know like like any kind of like fresh cut herb it's going to have that kind of pungency so um yeah, that's that's an unusual yeah, spirit. Yeah. Sure, sure. And I think you know when I, I think the first time time I tried it was shortly after it was the, the band was lifted on two thousand seven because I just wanted to see what it sure. t- tasted like. Sure. And uh, to me, it tasted a little bit like the uh, drink ouzo, uh, which is uh, kind of a Greek uh, liquor and has that same kind of licorice taste, mm-hmm. but, but it was actually kind of like a that's really strong ouzo. Mm-hmm. Right. So. That that's the anise flavor. You're going to get that in Pernod. You're right. going to get that in uh, in ouzo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, well, you told me, Paul, that <clears throat> when you used to work at a number of restaurants, uh, as a lead chef at many of them, but there was one in particular you worked at uh, near the coast, mm-hmm. and in that and that's where you learned the crazy idea of how absinthe interplays with seafood. That's correct. That's and, correct. And that was, from what you said, was kind of like your, uh, that was the driving force between this pairing today. Yeah, behind, but the, the driving force behind this pairing was definitely <laughs> a chef that I used to work for. Mm. He, you know, he basically would have fish that he, we would get you know, caught fresh from the coast. Yeah. We'd bring it in, we'd serve it. You wow. know, then a couple of days have passed. We've still got, say, you know, 20, 30 ounces of this kind of stuff left. Mm-hmm. But it's not as fresh as it was right when it came in. It's still okay. great. Still still, still fine, you yeah, know. Sure. Um, but to enhance the flavor, to kind of hide a little bit of maybe some of that off flavor or that really fishy smell, uh-huh. he would incorporate onions, shallots, okay, okay. and uh, perno. 
Okay. Or absinthe nice. or, or, you know, ouzo. Something that had that licorice flavor. And it was an amazing transformation to go from this stuff that, it, you know, it, it, it didn't smell bad, but it wasn't perfect. It wasn't clean. Right. It didn't smell like the fresh ocean air like it should. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would transform that in a matter of 30 minutes, marinating in this absinthe or ouzo or perneau and shallots. And it, oh, my gosh. It changed it from, <clears throat> you know, being something that, I don't know. It, it wasn't off-putting, but it was something that maybe I would have liked a little fresher to something that was absolutely incredible. Wow, that's and an incredible trick. flavor. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. So now we've got now uh, for those who, who aren't here, we're going to go ahead and get into this, Paul. Okay. And I know the absinthe uh, pouring. There's a bit of a, a show to the entire uh, that's true. way you pour absinthe. Right. Let's discuss that. I mean, uh, um, is absinthe a drink you drink straight? No, not at all. No, you'll, you know, traditionally what you'll do with absinthe is you'll incorporate a little bit of sugar. Normally they have a spoon that will, you know, that's perforated that will sit on top of the glass and you'll put a little sugar cube on top. You'll pour some of the absinthe in and then you're going to need to add then to that a little fresh, clean, purified water. Which you have. Which you have all of. I brought some Icelandic water with us. We've got some uh, grand absinthe, absinthe. So um, we're going to do that with a little bit of sugar and then you'll incorporate stir emulsify if you will and then we can take a sip and then after that if you guys would like we can eat a little food and kind of make a pairing with the absinthe. I, I love Please. it and so you know along with that because uh, I guess you don't drink absinthe straight although I think I think Joe should try it because it's just to see what it tastes like but you know absinthe is a, is a drink that's about 70% alcohol I mean it's right it's a pretty strong wow pretty the one yeah drink, the one yeah. that we're tasting today is going to be a hundred and thirty eight proof Woo! so it's 69% alcohol very very pungent very strong keep away from open flames right <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so if you guys want, take one of these. Cool. All right, we got All a right. big absinthe jar here. Yep. I see that. And you wanna you wanna put, take that spoon. We've got our glasses. Okay. Take take Joe, the spoon. Joe will need that. Sp- yeah. Or you you too, Mark. Both of you guys Go will ahead, need Joe. that spoon. You took my glass, Mark. Oh, I'm sorry. I took your glass. Here's your spoon. Now this is more of a flat sort of thing here. Oh, it's got that guy on it's it. The, the Vincent Van Gogh. Oh, yes. that's, that's good. Yeah, that's that guy. Yeah, uh. that guy. <laughs> he was he was uh, he was pretty famous for drinking. So uh, <laughs> speaking of which, um, that spoon may fly out, Mark. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, speaking of which, you know there were a lot of famous people um, that that enjoyed absinthe. Uh, you know, it kind of made its uh, way into like a bohemian culture um, in. Uh, Paris, France. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people uh, like Oscar Wilde and Pablo Picasso and James Joyce and Ernest Hemingway, they were all famous. Vincent van Gogh, of course, for drinking absinthe. That's, well, whenever I think of absinthe, I think of Vincent van Gogh. Right. And uh, but, but, but we were saying that that was not what drove him crazy because... All right, Paul, I've got some sugar <laughs> on my little spoon all here. All right, now, Joseph, take the absinthe. Got it, okay. Take the, take the bottle that, that Mark has there. Got it okay. here. Now, pour just right through that sugar and try to you know, kind of get all that sugar through that spoon. Right, opening this bottle cap here. Oh, it does smell very much of licorice. Yeah, it's got a very strong anise flavor. All right, so and aroma. here we go. And uh, just pouring on. Yeah, there you go. There. Pour, go ahead and pour. Don't be afraid. There you go. All right, that's enough. All right, Bob's going to love that. Just a little bit on the mixing board there. Just a little bit <laughs> no, but this is probably, on the mixing board. But you no, know, Mark, here you go. the fact that you poured Ooh, out. that's delicious. Now you're going to want to take this uh, Icelandic water here, and you're going to want to pour that in there, and then take that stir that you have beside Now you're going to notice it's cloudy. I see that. And stir all that sugar into there, okay? Absolutely. Oh, look at this. This looks delicious, Paul. And the same for same for you, Mark. Just dump that in and then put some water in there and stir it till it's cloudy. Okay. 
You know, I know we are on a shoestring budget here, uh, except when Paul comes in. And uh, Bob uh, has failed to stock any uh, absorbent materials near this mixing board. Well, I was just thinking the fact that absinthe poured on the uh, mixing board table is probably the cleanest the table has ever been. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and ever will be. So you see how the water, you see how Mark, Joe, has added enough to where it's become Aww. cloudy now. You want to yeah, make it a little cloudy. You don't, you don't want to put just a little bit in there. Yeah, put you want to put more water in there. Well, you want it to be cloudy. I see. Okay, so for those of you playing at home, we have uh, you take your absinthe and then you pour our sugar over Very nice like a ball. little small, I mean, I'm sorry, you pour water over you pour the liquor over the sugar. I'm oh, sorry, the liquor over Correct. a small spatula of sugar. <laughs> Correct. And then you mix it with uh, with water. <laughs> and okay. now and now it's nice and cloudy. That's what you want. Right. And and don't take a huge sip, but just enough to taste. You know? Sure. Now it's not for everyone. This that is absolutely delicious. It is good. It it's tastes nice. like a Christmas tree. It's <laughs> I mean, like like the candy on a Christmas tree. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. I could just, uh, wow. Yes. And I hear, mm. you know, if you drink a whole glass of absinthe, that you feel like it's Christmas. That is <laughs> well, so good. So it's it's funny because you, you said you said Christmas tree because sometimes uh, juniper berries are added as an additional botanical. They use sometimes cinnamon, cardamom, coriander. All of these things were added outside of those three main botanicals that we were talking oh, about. Oh, okay. That's so good. Yeah. That's so, very good. But, but, but yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. But, but, you know, Joe, I want you to try the straight absinthe, though, to see what it tastes like. I tried it right before I oh, poured it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it's great. Um, tell me this. How in the world you're, – you're preparing something over there, Paul. I can't yeah, what we have. You, but but how, how can anything pair with this? It's crazy. That's what I, that's what I was thinking, right. too. And there's a there's a you know a lot of different opinions. Basically, right now what I'm doing is I'm mixing up a little bit of the Caesar salad with a little Ooh, you've, garlic. He, he, yeah, oh, he, Paul beautiful. has made a delicious. He's making a salad Caesar. in front of he us. He is tossing salad on the air right now. I am. We're the luckiest radio hosts <laughs> on the planet. So, so if you'll if you'll take a plate and pass it awesome. along there. Okay. There thank you. you thank you. So I'm going to just put a few leaves of lettuce on here, guys. Not much. Uh-huh. Yep. But really what I want us to do, this is kind of a vehicle for really what I'm wanting us to taste. And okay. That's, and that's the sure. anchovies. Oh, Ooh, boy. Nice. And I do love anchovies. You know, one of my favorite uh, pizzas is pepperoni and anchovy. Well, you know, an anchovy pizza or anchovy anything, really, you can't pair with wine. And now this, we have something finally that we can pair it with. So uh, I guess I'm back on my uh, anchovy diet. So <laughs> <laughs> sure Jennifer's so, going to be thrilled. So take this take this uh, grater I have here, this microplane, and just a little bit on top. Wow. Put a little fresh Parmesan And then on there. tap it so you don't spill it all over Bob's desk. <laughs> Bob, can, Bob eats for a week after we have our show. <laughs> just of the scrap yeah, left over. <laughs> I'm sure of it. Hey, I was I'm sure you of it. Thanks, thanks. Right. And then tap that out, Mark, right? So it's mm -hmm. all out of there. That's perfect. All right. <laughs> and then what we're going to do is we're going to take we're going to this take is this, so much fun, Paul. This tiny little fork that I brought with us, tiny fork, and I want to just pull off about Ooh. three anchovies. Yes, please. I like it. Okay, I, those look the fresh kind. They are very fresh. There <laughs> yeah. you are, Mark. There you uh, are. You uh, referring to your uh, endeavors at uh, the dollar store seafood yeah, so aisle? Anchovies <laughs> in a box or a Jeez. can? Or, yeah, so these are really. That was the like most it. disgusting thing. Wow, I've these ever are had. beautiful. So, so, th but this is, again, the, the Caesar salad is just a vehicle. Really what I want you guys to taste is the, the beautiful, uh, you know, pairing on your palate 
of this extremely savory, salty fish wow. mixed with this really anise-laden, heavy anise-laden uh, spirit. Okay, I'm going to try it. A little bite of the uh, salad here, Paul. That's right. Mm. Go ahead and do with the anchovy. A big old, wonderful-looking mm. anchovy there. Mm-hmm. Wow. I love anchovies. Mmm. A little salty. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. That's There's the cheese, the lemon, the garlic. Now, while that's in your mouth, mm-hmm. right oh, before yeah, you yeah. swallow, take a little sip of the absinthe. Wow. That's good. It yeah. sweetens it. Yeah, it really it balances it. Mm-hmm. It tones it down. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But it also brings out that great fish taste of it the does. anchovy. You, you That's really right. taste the fish better. Immediately, it's bam. It's a beautiful pairing. It's it really a, is. Wow. It's, 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 to me, it was amazing. When I first discovered the balance between really nice. an anise-flavored spirit or an, in a, a heavily fennel-laden you know, wow. it's really spirit. Great. So for, for those of you at home... This is the wine yeah, fellers you're listening to, going, mm, and we mm. are uh, we have S. Paul on the show, and he is graciously sharing uh, some absinthe, and he and we're pairing it with um, a Caesar salad, mm, a fresh Caesar salad. Mm. Yes, and it's just this is really just a wonderful pairing, and um, uh, we should just like you know start pairing this at uh, for breakfast and lunch too. Well, while you guys are talking about the uh, salad, I'm going to go ahead and put some of this ahi tuna. Tell us a little about, bit about this ahi tuna. So this is sashimi-grade tuna. Um, looks I'll go, delicious. I'll just slice it. You know, it's nice and ruby red. Mm. <clears throat> Almost looks like grapefruit flesh. Mm. And I'll slice it very thin, and we're just going to put a little... We're not going to do much to this, because this is really what makes this pop, is that combination of the onions and the fish that I was telling you about that wow. works so well really with kind of bringing some of that off-putting flavor out of fish that's kind of, mm-hmm. you know, a few days away from going bad. So we're just going to sprinkle a little salt and pepper. I'm going to do this for you guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. Wow, beautiful pieces of uh, ahi tuna. And then I'm going to put just a little bit of some chiffonaded green spring onion right on top there. And wow. that's going to give you that balance of flavor with the sweetness. That's uh <clears throat> that is really yeah. Get a picture of that. Yeah, get Mark. a picture of that for we'll all of our tweet millennial later. tweeters will love this. Yes, there we go. That that yeah, that's really nice. So um, and that, that's something I never would have thought that ahi tuna would be a, a type of fish that you would be able to pair with absinthe because you know ahi tuna you, t- or tuna often takes the taste. Uh, of other things that it's mixed with, so it's uh, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Very neutral, neutral flavor. Right. Um, what I really wanted to showcase here was the fact that we're eating this completely raw. There's been no heat applied to this tuna at all. Right. Um, and that being said, it's going to give you that true ocean flavor, mixed along with a little bit of sea salt, and then that onion to kind of spice it up, and then the <laughs> absinthe is going to completely overtake your palate and blend them all together to wow. just be like a, all right, a beautiful uh, combo. All right, so I'm going to take... Uh, Paul, this looks delicious. Uh, my tuna. Yeah, and just, mm. you know, the, yeah. just take a bite. Mm-hmm. Mm. You taste the freshness of the fish, a little bit of the sea salt. The fish, by the way. That's wonderful. Spiciness on the onion, but then take a sip of the absinthe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow. Again... That's a great pairing. You know... Yeah, I can even makes it. I can. It brings out kind of the fat in the uh, tuna. I can taste that a lot better with the wow. absinthe. I'm not sure why, but it's a, it's a great, it's a great, uh, a great pairing. I, I, the, for some reason the licorice keeps coming back to me. That fennel, yes, right. and I can see why people use it fennel in recipes. Absolutely, because there's something mm. about it, man. It's doing something. Yeah, it's really, really nice with. 
you know, pungent mm. flavors. You know, the, the, the anchovies were kind of the one side of the spectrum. Right. The ahi is so super clean, but then adding the onions, onions and the sea yeah. salt, you can kind of see how that, you know, it makes a little more pungent. But Well, that's really interesting because there's a lot second, of my food second that's here. very difficult to uh, pair with wine. And now it seems like we have an answer to uh, an answer to that when wine just doesn't work. Right. There you go. There you go. Now, is fennel, mm. which is in uh, this absinthe, uh-huh. is fennel a common ingredient in seafood dishes? I mean, in some it may be, you know, bouillabaisse. You would probably use a little, a lot of chefs use a little dash of perno. Mm-hmm. Okay, or maybe a little ouzo in, in a bouillabaisse, which is like, you know, like a, a really um, rich, robust, tomato-based seafood combo. Like you use like a fumet, which would be like a seafood stock right. or a fish stock blended with tomatoes and all sorts of spices and herbs. And then you would kind of top that off, you know, along with shellfish, maybe some white fish inside that's been cooked inside the soup. You'd kind of top it with a little perno, and that really brings out all sorts of wonderful, you know, seafood uh, flavors, and that's why this pairs so well. Now, uh, can anyone just buy absinthe locally? Is that something that that's being sold? Yes, you can buy. I think there's three different varieties in your local Orange County ABC store, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, as far as all over the state, I'm not sure. Maybe maybe one or two more, but not that many. You only have a few to choose from. And how many? How much will uh, like a bottle of absinthe uh, set you back? Um, well, I brought these little guys in today, mm-hmm. but for a big bottle, you're looking at anywhere between retail fifty-five to eighty-five dollars. Now, in the absence of that, not uh, too bad for no, seven bad. for seven hundred and fifty mils. Mm-hmm. And the and it goes far away because it's a, a very it's a strong drink and uh, a strong spirit. And so, but the absinthe that you can buy are they pretty much all made the same way? Are they made uh, different, yeah, different ways or they are. Um, in the U.S., you're, well, see, this is one thing that – back to Wormwood. Okay. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> Wormwood is uh, – uh, I think it's pronounced Artemisia uh, absinthium, mm-hmm. and it's basically an, an herbaceous, herbaceous uh, perennial that uh, you can get. It contains something called uh, thujone, which is what was – people were worried about its toxicity and how it would affect you or how it would, you know – um, thujone can be known at high levels. Um, to, uh, it's like a, a fragrant, oily kind of compound that comes off of the wormwood, okay. and it has been known in the past with like you know laboratory rats and at high levels of uh, you know ingestion to cause seizures and hallucinations. Mm-hmm. So that's what people awesome. were, were so worried about. But but the God's honest truth is is that you know absinthe does not uh, make you trip it doesn't do anything but get you drunk that's well, that's what it really does well it has the it has the uh, the what's it called thujone thujone uh, and it's such a it doesn't have it such a small uh, parts per right uh, yeah yeah in in the US it's 10 milligrams uh, per liter for absinthe yeah. in Europe uh, the the European uh, uh, Union has said that or not union but the the people that decide what you can eat and drink and how much of it in Europe they've decided that it's the same 10, 10 milligrams per liter but for bitters you can have 35 milligrams per liter uh, not not in the US but only in Europe this is all about like safety regulations Correct. and just keeping people safe right and unfortunately, on a lot of websites, you can go, you know, that are in Europe, you can you find these absents that are for sale with like they they advertise like 100 milligrams of thujone. Interesting. It's just poison. It's not going to oh. make you trip. It, you, you don't don't buy that stuff. It's really no. toxic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And it's a it's a scam. 
Yeah, and any drink that gives you seizures probably you stay away from. Right. Well, I mean, every now and then. It's okay. Fun. Well, okay. Right. Limit your seizures to a few. Right. Everything in moderation. Okay. Right. Including that's, moderation. That's right. right. Moderation, moderation. That's right. So this is, uh, you know, we're talking about absinthe, uh-huh. but I have finished my absinthe. Uh, here, Mark. Oh, well, and here's so some more. We have plenty of time for another um, another glass here. Okay. Sure. And so, again, in the true way of creating an absinthe drink. And, I, so, and explain to our listeners how, the sugar there, buddy. how you're, make, how you're making it. I will. It. So I have a little, uh, what do you call this, a little tumbler glass here or something? Well, that's a rocks glass. A I rocks did not glass. have the actual absinthe glasses. They look more like oh. old school goblets. Now, before, bef- Interesting. before you start, I uh, my wife and I went to a restaurant in Asheville, that, and we had uh, absinthe uh, sh- uh, served with sugar the way you're supposed to. But it came out of a this machine. Oh, jeez, Bob's going to kill me. And uh, we weren't sure how it was working, but it was. Uh, it looked a lot more complicated than what we're doing. Yeah, you know, oftentimes they'll keep it in this huge, like you know, uh, glass container. Right, right. It has a few, maybe maybe more than one or more spouts exactly, on it. Exactly, that's what it was. And yes. they'll they'll slowly drip it over your perforated spoon into your glass over top of the sugar cube. So this machine was just dripping it slowly. Yeah, it's just you know, and it's and it's all it's a lot of it is for show. Yeah, because so. it was a big machine that all it did was drip something slowly. Right, but, uh, right. Yeah, so well, that was that's interesting. Yeah, well, yeah. So as you spoke there, Mark. So what did you do? Yeah. So besides spill more sugary absinthe over the mixing board. Great yes. job, Joe. Uh, let's see. <laughs> Thank you. All right. I've I've got port. I I uh, had my rocks glass. Mm-hmm. I put the absinthe slotted spoon up top. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. I put a, a pile of sugar on it. Uh-huh. And I poured my absinthe mostly over that pile of sugar. Okay. All right. And now I've got what you know maybe a couple fingers of of uh, spirits here mm-hmm. in the bottom of my glass. And now I'm going to mix in my my Icelandic water right. until it becomes cloudy. Cloudy. That's what you're looking for. About right oh, there, there. right there. Good. Now oh, then, man, take your so take good. your slotted spoon, Joe. Yes, I got it. I and got then it. instead of on the top of the glass, that's right. Ah. Just incorporate. So it should look like a sort of a kind of a light colored yellowish milk when you're done. That's right. It looks so that's good. That's right, Mark. Yeah. So so back in the day, uh, a long time ago when it was made from grapes, uh, th- they left a lot of the chlorophyll in there and mm-hmm. that was what gave it that green hue. Right. You know, the emerald drink, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, these days they use a lot of artificial colors. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting they they uh, pre-ban Absinthe. They had a big. Uh, a lot of folks said, "Well, you know, the pre-band stuff had the most uh, thujone, and it was, you know, stronger and better." Right, right. So in 2008 and 2009, they did a lot of studies, um, and they they figured out multiple studies done in 2002. conducted by the Journal of Agriculture and Food Chemistry. Uh-huh. Um, they concluded that uh, the pre-band absinthe, in comparison to the current day absinthe. They had the same amount of the thujone in it. Right. So what was the point? Of, so, right, yeah, yeah. so there's really, you know, but 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 different from back then, uh-huh. uh, they're now adding in different colors to make it green. Oh, they're actually adding something <laughs> to so they can make it look like right. what it did in, in the past. Right. That's right. Well, that's really interesting. Well, yeah. look, I mean, I guess it's crazy because not everyone really knows the color of what old absinthe was. Uh-huh. Sure. But they need it now. Yeah. Sure. For some reason. Right. Sure. 
Yes, yes. So uh, it looks like we're uh, we're cleaning up a, an absinthe bill. Well, looks well, like we're doing you know, just I mean, fine. Well, uh, look, it, there was a bit of an emergency. <laughs> Paul's being such a, a kind host. We've had four people in the studio here in the last 30 seconds. One, first guy came in and, and said, uh, yeah, Bob's going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I had to send another, uh, had to send our, our assistant producer out to, to grab my uh, paper bag that happened to have a paper towel in it. Right, yeah. And so we're just mitigating one disaster after another it's here, Mark. All, it, <laughs> Look, you know, it's all fine. You know, if we had, uh, if our uh, radio station happened to be bet- better funded, maybe we'd have a proper dining table to eat our uh, food and sure. drink our absinthe on. But that's how sure. it is. Yeah, Paul, we, uh, in fact, Bob uh, has asked uh, the Weinfellers to go and, and run some sort of fundraising event for the station. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking that uh, Paul needs to come. Yes. And, uh, and we could do some sort of like live cooking pairing drinking event that's sure. right everybody gets ahi tuna <laughs> <laughs> as long as WHUP funds it i'll be fine with that no we, problem they couldn't get us napkins <laughs> right. Paul. right right so how are you gonna get ahi that's my point right <laughs> that's well paul thank you my friend you yes. are welcome on the show anytime every time you come on it's a really interesting experience we learn a lot we learn more than usual, which is a good thing. Actually, <laughs> very good thing. And uh, and uh, we always drink some wonderful things and try some wonderful food. So please, will you come back on the show? I, I will, as long as you don't play that theme song again. <laughs> we will change the theme song. So uh, you've heard that for the last time. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us, guys. Thank you. You've been listening to another exciting episode of The Winefellers. North Carolina's only fine wine radio program. And I've had such a great time today, Mark. Me too, Joe. But the good news is is that the fun can continue online. (laughs) You're absolutely right. Visit us online at thewinefellers.com where you can learn more about today's program and listen to previous shows. See you next week. Songs and melodies Change and change and sway, but they still stay the same. The songs that we sung when the dark days come are the songs that we sung when we chased them away. If I ever found a pot of gold, I'd buy bottles untold of the nectar of the vines, cause I'm gonna die. With a twinkle in my eye Cause I sang songs, spun stories Love, laughed and drank wine Tomorrow is another day The cats are out to play, to play That old rusty spaceship wants to sail Into the Milky Way again On a river of red, red wine
Run, 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 run